Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Fat Boys Dynasty Podcast presented by uh, Fantasy Holics. Um, this week's going to be a little different. Um, uh, as you notice, we're, we're recording remote. Um, we're going to come at you, but we actually could not get our schedules lined up perfectly, so we had to do something a little different. We wanted to make sure that we get it out to you. Um, we're going to cover the AFC East today. Um, I have the Bills and the Patriots, as he had the Dolphins and the Jets. Um, I'll go ahead and cover mine. Um, as of right now, I got with the Bills. I got my biggest bust as being Josh Allen. Josh Allen, it, I'm not saying he's going to be a bust as a, as a quarterback, but he's being drafted as a 14th player off the board. And that's just crazy to me, drafting a quarterback that early when later in the draft you're able to get um, Jalen Hurts or even Patrick Mahomes and Herbert are going almost 20 spots later in most single quarterback uh, drafts. So drafting uh, Josh Allen at the 14th overall pick, so at the very end of the second or the beginning of the second round, is just crazy. Um, I, I'm very big on on uh, sitting there and waiting for my quarterback. There's not always a big difference uh, week to week for him. Yeah, Josh Allen has the rushing upside and and he's got you know great weapons with him. But but drafted a quarterback in the second round is just. Um, kind of crazy to me in, in a one quarterback league. So it really, that's the only reason he's a bust to me is is just as high um, draft capital. Um, I also believe that his rushing attempts and goal line work will probably come down a little bit. They've invested a lot over the last three years in, in Singletary, Moss, and Cook and the running backs. I just I feel like they're going to want to start taking off some of that burden off of Josh Allen. So you may see his rushing touchdowns come down and everything else. So, yeah, drafting him at the beginning of the second round in a single quarterback league is the reason I really have Josh Allen as a bust. No really other, other reason. Um, but drafting a quarterback that early is just, is just crazy to me in a, in a single QB league. Um, even in a dynasty startup, drafting him that early is, is – you're setting yourself up to be playing catch up possibly because he's not going to carry you over some of the other quarterbacks week to week. Um, because like I said, 20, 20 picks later. So almost two rounds later, you can get Herbert or Mahomes. And so I just, you know, just picking him that, that, that early is, is the reason I have him under my uh, bust. Um, my stud for that team is, is Stefan Diggs. There's not much to say. Um, He's seen over 150 targets since he came to Buffalo. Um, he's, he's in one of the most high-powered offenses in the in the NFL. They score, and so I mean he, he puts up points. And, and he's he's Josh Allen's most go-to target. He's coming off as the sixth wide receiver off the board. He has finished he finished seventh in seventh is his lowest since he moved to Buffalo. His finish in PPR. Um, so I just and there's not a whole lot of. You know, star power really around him. Yeah, you got Gabe Davis um, is, is, you know, came on strong in the playoffs, but can he really hold that on? And can he hold that throughout a year? So um, I just think, I think that the targets are going to stay there for Diggs, and I just don't see how it really goes down for him. He's going to be a top 10 wide receiver. He just signed a four year extension to stay with them. So yeah, I think he's going to be the focal point of that offense, him and Josh Allen. Um, one of my favorite thing here is is my sleeper pick is is Singletary um, because everybody's on this um, everyone's on on Cook Cook James Cook James Cook James Cook I'm sorry Singletary's been taking most of the first team work in camp um, and I don't really see him relinquishing that he showed what he's capable of near the end of the season and in the playoffs um, as long as he stays healthy I think he's got the chance to really be um, 
the first and second down back, and I don't see anyone really taking that from him. We already saw we saw Zach Moss last year getting healthy scratches. Um, I, I do believe James Cook will take some of the receiving work out, but you're getting Singletary as uh, the 106th player off the board. So way later in drafts, and he finished as a as a, as a number 20 uh, running back in PPR last year. Year, so I really think he's a sleeper, guys. I really do. I think you really need to keep keep an eye on Singletary and take that dart throw later in the draft. Um, this guy could finish as as your RB two on your team if you drafted wide receivers early and, and you need you need a guy to really hold a spot for you throughout the year. I think Singletary could definitely be the guy because we also know that Buffalo doesn't play from behind a, a bunch. They have a great defense. They have the ability to hang many or hang a whole bunch of points. So Singletary could come in and, and garbage time and just use him there to run out the clock so he could see anywhere from 12 to 17 to 18 touches a game so Singletary's a guy that being drafted as a 106 player off the board absolutely give me give me give me all the shares of him being drafted that late um and then I'll, I'll go I'll just jump right into my breakout my breakout is um Dawson Knox Dawson Knox we saw flashes last season um of um, we saw a lot flashes last season of, of his capability of being a top five, top ten tight end. Um, he finished as the tight end number eight last year, in, and he played in only 15 games. He's going as the tight end ten off the board now in the draft, and, and he's a tight end you find in the in the ninth round. And I, I have him here as my breakout slash sleeper because if you miss on the on the the high end tight ends of Pitts and, and Andrews and Kelsey and Kittle. And Hawkinson, if you still believe that he's he's up there too, this is a guy that absolutely he has the capability. He's got he's in the offense that that shows the capability of getting him to finish as a top five, top ten tight end. So this guy, he, he's going to be a red zone target for um, Josh Allen as long as he stays healthy. He's he's going to be one of his favorite targets down there in the red zone. So Josh, or uh, sorry, Dawson Knox is a guy that I absolutely love to own some shares into later in the draft. Um, Buffalo is a hard team to really look at. Um, uh, really, the the only bad side of them is is uh, the Josh Allen is drafting him so early. Um, that's the only reason that he really is as a bust. But the Bills really everything. The Bills is another offense that's starting to take off like the Kansas City Chiefs did a couple years ago, where they they're an offense that you want a piece of. I know everyone says talks about the crowded backfield, but I think your back backfield is, is Singletary for the first two and garbage time, and then you got James Cook if they ever play from behind or even see third downs. But the thing with third downs is if they're third and short and you're thinking, oh, Cook's going to come in and get that reception, probably not because you do see a lot of design quarterback runs that in the game for Josh Allen to pick up the two, three yards that they need on that third down. So Josh Allen could be taking more work away from Cook then he's going to away from Singletary and in that backfield. So really, I don't see a whole lot of threats to Singletary. Um, and then Diggs is he's Diggs. He he does what he does. Like I said, he's he's being drafted as the 19th player off the board. So he's he's a great guy to get and secure in the um, in the second round. If you drafted one of those stud running backs in the first round, he's a great wide receiver one to hold on to and and draft later in the second round. Um, He's, he's a guy that's always he's, – he's, he's very consistent. He saw 166 targets his first year in Buffalo, 163 his second year, and he finished as uh, wide receiver seven last year and then wide receiver three the year before. He's a guy that's very capable of always finishing inside the top ten. I don't see his targets coming down much because they didn't add a whole lot to 
threaten him. They did add Jamison Crowder and and Gabe Davis is coming on and then Isaiah McKenzie and, and, and Shakur they drafted this year. A lot of those guys are there, but they're more of a fill in piece. They're not going to take over any any of the targets from that alpha role. And Diggs has shown it the last few years where there really hasn't been another really hasn't been a true wide receiver two in that team that he can do it no matter what the coverages are. So Diggs is a guy that, that he's going to be an absolute stud wherever wherever you get him, and he's he's one of those plug and play guys. But like I said, Buffalo's Buffalo's starting to become one of those teams that I want to own a piece of that offense. Um, so I'm going to jump into New England. Uh, New England was it was tougher to do. Um, trying to find a, a bust on that team was. Was was really hard. Um, I was gonna go with uh, Mac Jones, but his ADP is so low and, and and everything else that I really couldn't put him in that bus category. Um, so I'm gonna go with as my bus for New England Patriots. Damian Harris. He's in a crowded backfield that just added two backs in in the draft. There's been slow rumors swirling that there's possible he could be a trade candidate for the Patriots. He's in his last year. He's never really. Um, done a whole lot to really want to keep him around and there there's another guy just sitting there waiting to to take over that lead role in in, in New England and and that's Ramondre Stevenson um but Harris I mean he did finish as the, as uh, 14 in PPR but then they added Pierre Strong and they added another back late in the draft so I really don't I don't know if he holds on to that role um, I know a lot of reports coming out of camp as both Harris and Stevenson have been taking first-team work. So Damian Harris is kind of my bust here because a lot of people, I mean, even at his ADP as the seventh, seventh player off the board, a lot of people are, are, are banking on him to be, you know, their, their running back two, maybe their flex start. I just don't know if he can sustain that throughout the entire year. So I'm going to put him as a bust. Now my stud. This is, this is one thing that I'm going out, I'm listening to reports on, and I'm going to use him as my stud. Devontae Parker coming in. He has shown so much in camp this year. He's been a standout. He's, he's a guy that's always been productive no matter where he's been as long as he's been healthy. Um, so I, he's a guy that I really could see taking off in this offense. We know the New England – Patriots love to set up their offense through play action, and this is a guy that could really thrive during that play action, especially with that crowded backfield. They're going to get healthy backs in and really open that field up for these wide receivers, and I really think Devontae Parker being drafted as the 170th player off the board is an absolute steal and an absolute stud for this team coming in this year. I'm not saying he's going to carry you to fantasy championships, but I don't see anybody on the New England team that's going to carry you to a championship. But I believe that Devontae Parker, by the end of the year, you'll be talking about him being in the top 25 wide receivers, and you're getting him at the you're getting him as the 175th player over over or in in drafts. Absolutely, give me that because, like I said, I do believe that you're going to be talking about this man finishing as a top 25 wideout this year in that offense. I think he's going to thrive, and he he finally gets a chance with a with a good head coach and and, and an accurate quarterback in Mac Jones. That that I really feel like this is his chance to really shine and take off. Um, so yeah, I put him down as my stud on that team because I think that by the end of the year you're going to be talking about him and how much higher he should have been in ADPs and how much higher he should have been drafted. Um, he's a guy that yeah he's had injuries in in the past, but I feel like getting a move, a new a new outlook, a new um, 
a new head coaching system, I really feel like this team is going to put him in position to thrive and probably play all 17 games this year. So I absolutely believe in Devontae Parker this year. Now, my sleeper and my breakout are kind of in the same position. It's the same thing. Um, you know, we talk about how crowded that backfield and everything else is. And um, my sleeper, I put as Pierre Strong. He was he was being considered one of the top five, top six backs coming out of this draft. And he went to New England. Unfortunately, he went to New England. This is a guy that we'd be talking way up if he would have went to like a Houston or, or even Atlanta or somewhere where he would have slid into an easy RB1 role. Pierre Strong's a guy that throughout the season, I definitely could see him taking over the third down work first and then possibly working into seeing some carries. Um, I don't think that you're going to see him um, really take off and, you know, just instantly take over this backfield because, well, it's the New England backfield. But this is a guy that he's being drafted as 190th player overall in drafts. We know that New England likes to use all of their running backs. We've seen that when they had Rex Burkhead and they had LeGarrette Blunt and they had James White. They like to use all their running backs. And I really think that this is a guy that when he gets a chance, he might get a chance to really shine. And 190th, he's one of your last picks in your last two or three rounds of your draft. Throw a dart at this guy, hold on to him, and just see if New England gives him the chance. Because I think that's all that Pierre Strong is going to need. He's 5'11", 205 pounds. I think all he's going to need is that little window, and Bilicek might start giving him more work and more work and more work. So I really like him as a sleeper. Now my breakout is um, Ramondre Stevenson. We saw this last year where he started slowly getting more work in that backfield. Um, and I and we saw a few years ago, we saw a Garrett Blunt roll there in New England where we brought a guy in that's a big guy. He's in Ramondre Stevenson, six foot two twenty eight big-bodied running back. We saw the Garrett Blunt get 18 touchdowns last year, or not last year, a few years ago. This is another guy that I could definitely see in a Garrett Blunt role that he's coming in and he's getting the opportunities on the goal line and he's just scoring touchdowns. Like, that's all he's there for is you're just going to pound this rock and you're going to score touchdowns. Well, guess what? You score me some touchdowns, you're going to see more work. And Ramondre Stevenson is a guy that I look to really break out. I'd love to see him get involved more in the passing game, um, which James White is banged up right now. Um, I don't know if he's actually participating in camp at the moment. No, James White is actually on the pup. So right now, Ramondre Stevenson is getting that opportunity to see some of the um, pass catching there in New England. So Ramondre Stevenson is a guy that I look to break out this year. He's got a, a great great opportunity he was a guy that um transferred to oklahoma and ran a few of those guys out to out to the transfer portal and now in last year Ramondre stevenson finishes the 47th running back in ppr in only 12 games he only played in 12 games guys and he still finishes the 47th running back in ppr Ramondre stevenson is a guy that i really really look to possibly break out this year or yeah, this season. So he's he's a real guy that I, I think you know, late in draft, throw that dart at him, see what happens, see if it sticks. Who knows? Uh, but once again, it, the New England backfield is such a mystery every single year that we never know. We never really know what to do with them. But this is the year that I'm really feeling that because they're not being drafted as high as they normally are. Um, and I really feel like if you throw a dart 
later in drafts at a New England running back, you you have the same amount of chance with all of them, with with Stevenson and, and, and Pierre Strong and Harris. Harris, the only reason that he's kind of up there in my bus category is the fact he is the highest one being drafted and the fact he's on his last year of his contract. So he may not be there anymore. And we've, we've seen New England um, invest in running backs. So uh, what says they even want to re-sign uh, Damian Harris to stay? Um, what says they want to pay him the contract? Um, so in, in a dynasty league, are you really wanting to roll the dice on a guy that you don't even know where he's going to be next year? So I, that's why Harris is up there in, in my bust. Uh, New England New England's a team that's always fun to try to – you sit down and you just try to hash out their, their offense and you want to find out what's, what's going to work for you. Well, guess what? Tom Brady ain't there no more. Randy Moss ain't there no more. And James White is starting on the pup, and he's getting older. So it's 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 even it's getting back to where it used to be. Just try to hash this out. Try to figure out what can I do with this New England office. What dart throw do I want to throw at New England, and see if it sticks. Just see if that Velcro sticks to that board there, and uh, give it a shot. Um, like I said, this this was a little episode different for us. Um, so I'm gonna kick it over to uh, Bo. And uh, he's going to wrap it up with um, talking about the Dolphins and the Jets. Yeah, Brant, just like you had alluded to, uh, obviously this week's a little different than most. Uh, again, we weren't able to get together in person this week. And also on top of that, we weren't able to get our schedules to line up just right. So, uh, you know, you got your two teams there with the Bills and the uh, and the, the Patriots, you know, two of the probably in the last several years anyway, the two uh prolific teams in that division. Um, but, you know, this is one of those divisions that I was really excited to get into in the when it comes to the AFC East with uh, with the two teams that, that fell to me. And the, and the first one I'm going to start with is is the Miami Dolphins. Um, and, you know, for me, uh, Brian, this was really easy. I uh, I was really excited about about doing the Dolphins because, uh, you know, there, there's there was a uh, you know, the team took a lot of steps forward last year um, and there was just you know, a lot of buzz around Tua and then Tyreek comes to town and things. Um, so I'm really excited about this one. So, you know, my stud and my, 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 or, uh, my, my stud and my dud are going to be um, two players that I think are, are vastly tied together, tied to one another, if you will. Uh, and that's both of the prolific pass catchers there. Um, I think, with Tyreek coming to town and Jalen Waddle being there in an established role already, one of those guys is going to take that step forward and be Tua's guy. Uh, and then the other one's going to take a step back. And I think if I was a betting man, the way I think this plays out is I think Jalen Waddle, uh, uh, yes, is going to be the one that I think takes a step back. Uh, and I think Tyreek Hill I think Tyreek Hill is still going to have a, be a step back from what it was with that Kansas City Chiefs offense, but it's still going to be the stud of this offense. And I think what that is going to look like is a lot of engineered touches um, for Tyreek Hill coming from Tua. So a lot of, you know, uh, behind the line of scrimmage passes where uh, Tyreek is able to get the ball and take off in space. Um, you know, uh, I think uh, Jalen Waddle the expectations on Tua are so high that I think Jalen Waddle is going to be a natural uh, person to take a small step back when you bring in a guy like Tyreek, because a lot of people are, are saying, um, you know, uh, 
that the Tua can't substantiate these guys. Tua's not an NFL talent. His arm strength's not strong enough. So it, it's really a make-or-break year for Tua, which I think comes down to a make-or-break year for the two pass catchers. And I think one of them is going to be the beneficiary of this, and the other one of them is going to take a step back. So my stud and dud again are tied uh, between Tyreek and uh, – Jalen Waddell. And when you talk about taking a, uh, the easy way out, like we did last week, Brant, uh, this is certainly me taking the easy way out here. Um, as far as my breakout goes, um, my breakout is less of a breakout than it, than it is a reminder to people, um, of what he's capable of. And that's Chase Edmonds. I think Chase Edmonds in this offense could be something that, um, you know, could really be exciting to watch. You know, again, if Tua's arm strength isn't what it is or it's it's closer to being what it's reported as um, and lesser than what he had in college, this is a, a, a chance for Chase Edmonds to see, you know, 65-plus targets out of that backfield. Now, again, he's got to win that backfield, and, and it is, you know, a, a crowded backfield. You know, you got Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, Sony Michelle, uh, Miles Gaskin, uh Salvat Ahmed, those guys are all there, um, and somebody's got to be the guy. Uh, and, you know, with Raheem Mostert, uh, typically at his age, plays a few games, looks really electric, and then kind of isn't there, whether that's injuries or falls out of graces or, or what have you. Um, you know, Sonny Michelle uh, is coming over from his time there with uh, the Rams last year, uh, and I think he's going to probably be – We'll see. I think my just uh, Miles Gaskin's still going to have a small role in this offense as well. But I think Raheem Mostert's going to be the guy you see on the field uh, getting the bulk of passing work. And I think Chase Edmonds in this offense could be a sexier version of Naeem Hines. And uh, by that, I mean this guy could be a week-in and week-out flex play that you're going to be extremely happy with. Um, and – so that brings me to my to my sleeper, and my sleeper for the Miami Dolphins is is really quite simple, uh, and it's and it's none other than Tua himself, and it's it's so simple because Tua's what do you when, when you when you draft a quarterback in your fantasy draft if you miss out on you know your Mahomes your Josh Allen those types of players what do you look for? You look for weapons on that team for them these guys to find success with. And when it comes to Tua, with the exception of maybe Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr in that in that same kind of category area, Tua's probably got the best weapons. I mean, you've got Mike Jacecki, you've got Chase uh, Edmonds, you've got um, Tyreek Hill and and Jalen Waddle. And if Tua is a guy that you know he's he's going you know after the tenth round in in uh, dynasty startup single quarterback leagues, if you can get a guy. You know, such as Tua, that late when you're when you're stacking those position uh, plays, similarly to the way we talked about Kirk Cousins last week, Brant, when we broke down the NFC North, um, you, you get Tua there. You, if he happens to to break out this year uh, and do what he was touted to from college with the weapons he's got on the field this year, a lot of people are going to be really, really happy. And Tua is a guy that, you know, when we did our quarterback rankings some weeks ago, 
you know, for me, I left him just outside my top 12 in dynasty rankings. I think I had him somewhere in the 14th area. Um, but two is a guy that with his weapons, man, if, if he, if he hits the ground running, uh, this season, he, he could easily creep into the top 10 or, or even higher, uh, with the weapons he's got on the, on the field. And, uh, it'd be really interesting to see how all that plays out. You know, they got a new coaching staff with Mike McDaniel in town, um, and it'll just be really, really interesting to see how all that uh, plays out. Um, and and I'm definitely looking forward to that. So uh, that brings me to my next team. And this team is one that uh, this is the one that I was really excited to do when it come to this division. And um, it, it's none other than the New York football Jets. Right. And so. For many, many years, uh, this would have been a, a team that I would have been like, man, I got the Jets and I got to talk about Sam Darnold or Mike White or, you know, whatever. And um, or busted Le'Veon Bell when he was in town. Uh, but, you know, this the future is exciting in, in New York. This is now a, a team that I very much would enjoy to own pieces of, especially for a dynasty. Um, so let's get right on into it. Um, you know, I think. For me, I think the stud in this one's going to be something of a shock to some, and to others, this will be like, well, yeah, that's a no-brainer, and, and it's Breeze Hall. Um, and the reason I say, you know, Breeze Hall is going to be the stud in New York is that offense is a running back away from taking off. And Michael Carter showed some great flashes last year. Nothing away from Michael Carter, but Michael Carter is not Breeze Hall. Uh, Breeze Hall comes in as a uh, traditional, he looks to have the skill set of a traditional three down back. Obviously, we'll have to see how Robert Salah uses him. Again, Salah does come from that uh, Kyle Shanahan coaching tree where it's feed the hot hand in the backfield, rotate your backs in and out. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that, that plays out. But I think Breeze Hall has the chance to be a three down running back in the NFL and especially or in any kind of fantasy formats, if you got a guy that can be a three down back, you have to, you have to leap that lap that up. Right. And, uh, Brees Hall's got the chance to do that. And not only that, but he's young, right. He's coming into his rookie year. Um, it's, it's a guy that, uh, um, if you get him in your dynasty drafts, whether it be a startup draft or a rookie draft, this is a guy that you hope to hang your hat on for many, many years. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to say he's the stud, um, and you know, interesting enough right now, ESPN for what that's worth has his carry share at 57%. And I know that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but if you go look at a guy like Najee, Najee's carry share, uh, according to ESPN is somewhere in the 69% range. And then, you know, you got guys like Miles Sanders, who a lot of guys cling to, they're projecting him at 45%. So Brees Hall is getting a pretty high carry share right off the jump. Um, so he is he is my stud. Now my dud then unfortunately does have to be Michael Carter. Again, last year, um, for a lot of people, you know, you had Najee Harris, uh, Etienne, Javante Williams, somewhere, somehow those were th those three guys were in most people's top three. Now, most people would have said Najee at one, some had Javante. The argument could have been made for Etienne, however, you factored that. Okay. Um, and then typically everybody had at number four was Michael Carter. And so Michael Carter had some high draft stock last year in a lot of these drafts. 
a lot of your rookie drafts and as well as startups that were done last year, people probably took him pretty early because, again, going into a, a similar situation that Brees Hall stepping into, there wasn't a whole lot in front of him. Um, and Michael Carter was formidable last year, uh, but they have his carry share. Again, this is ESPN, so take it for what it's worth. But they have ESPN has his carry share down into the range of the 29%. So not real high. Uh, not expecting a whole lot out, out of him as far as his rushing, which, again, Michael Carter's value in the future is more to his pass catching than it is anything else anyway. So I don't think that's the end of the world. But I think with where he was drafted and what the way people were able to use him last year in their lineups, I think you're going to see a, a pretty good step back from that with the entrance of Brees Hall, which I know, again, most people are expecting that. Um, so not a, not a huge, uh, huge worry for a lot of people. Uh, but, yes, he, nonetheless – Michael Carter is my dud of this team. Brees Hall is my stud. Let's get into the breakout. Um, the breakout here, I actually think, is going to be – I think it's going to be Garrett Wilson. I think Garrett Wilson, um, you know, coming in with his explosive season last year uh, at Ohio State, you know, early draft pick this year. Uh, this guy, this guy is probably one of the best, if not the best, behind Drake London in his, in this rookie class of, of going up and high pointing the ball. Uh, contested catch rate is is pretty nice. Uh, this guy just makes plays, and when you got a young quarterback like Zach Wilson uh, in the backfield, that's a guy that he's going to be able to build trust with really early on in their career together. Uh, because if you throw up a fifty fifty ball and you've got a good a gut feeling, you're you're wider. Whiteout's going to do everything in his power to go up and get that ball, come down with it, um, and and you know make a play on the ball. You'll you'll throw those jump balls more often than you won't. Uh, so I think that bodes really well for you know the New York Jets uh, a passing game with Zach Wilson as well as it works uh, reciprocally for Garrett Wilson. Um, but my my sleeper then has to also become. Elijah Moore. And the reason it's Elijah Moore is because if I'm, if we're saying Garrett Wilson's the breakout and we're talking highly about the backfield, the sleeper is Elijah Moore only because people are forgetting about him. And, you know, Elijah Moore was a guy that was drafted last year um, for the Jets to become the number, well, the number two really, because Corey Davis was supposed to be the guy, obviously the, you know, um, he wasn't ever. He didn't ever end up becoming the guy, um, it, it, with the exception of a, a fantastic stretch that he had. And I'm I'm pulling up the stats right now because this is one that I just I love to look at because I did happen to trade for him right before he blew up last year in our dynasty. Brand, I'm sure you'll remember that. Um, but let's look at it here. So from weeks about week seven, coming out of their bye week until week 14 when he, he didn't play because he was hurt for the rest of the year. This guy had 11 fantasy points, 15 fantasy points, 30 fantasy points, 14 fantasy points, 36 fantasy points, 11 fantasy points, and 23 fantasy points. Now, again, this is impressive because really he played in 11 games and his usage didn't really explode until week seven. So about a seven-week stretch, 
and he he had uh, five touchdowns for 538 yards. The chemistry looked amazing with uh, Zach Wilson there, and I think Elijah Moore is being slept on quite hard because of everybody hyping up Brees Hall and everybody hyping up Zach Wilson with all of his offseason fun that he uh, about the news that kind of broke around Zach Wilson there and. Uh, Again, uh, uh, Garrett Wilson. So I think we're we're going to have to wait and see a little bit. With this is going to be an offense that really after about the first three weeks, you'll kind of start to see its identity uh, of how things are going to shake out and work. But this is one I was really excited to get into. And, uh, you know, I, I'm really, really sad, Brand, that we weren't able to get to align these podcasts or these uh, this recording time a little bit better because I'd love to have had some back, to, back and forth with you on this Jets here. I think we would have had some fun with that one. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, for this – for this fat boy, this one half of the Fat Boys Dynasty podcast, um, we're going to sign off. And uh, in your memory, Brand, as if you were still here with me, we're going to stay hungry and we're going to stay fat, my friends.